God is a good God. I said God is a good God. You know, too many times we spend our lives just going through the motion. Just experiencing the things that we think are important. Eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. For we know not that the day of the Lord is. We just go to our festivals. We go to our services. And we don't understand that God is doing something special. That was the story on the day of Pentecost. From all over the land, from all over the world, they had walked into the place. They had walked in from every tribe and nation. And they didn't realize what was happening. There were Parathons, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, uh, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, that one, Pragratha, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Sire, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, And they all were in Jerusalem. Just going through the motion. But there were 120. I'm getting to my sermon. Hang on. There were 120. Y'all look relaxed. You might as well stay for a while. There were 120. that they wasn't just going through the motions anymore. They were gathered in an upper room, having been instructed by a resurrected Christ to tarry. Ooh, there's that divine delay again. To tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. During the ten days from the time Jesus had given them that instruction. They held elections. They had services and they prayed. Most scholars believe that at the time that Jesus gave that instruction, there was about 500 of them. Ten days later, there was 120 of them. Boy, that makes me feel better. And now, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one mind and in one accord and in one place, and there came from heaven a sound of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and they saw, as it were, clothed in tongues of fire that split apart and set upon each of them, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And now all of these people going through the motions begin to hear the commotion. Oh, I can preach there for a while. I could ask you, are you going through the motion or are you walking in the commotion? Mm, come on. Mm. That's tweetable right there. Let me tell you something. They're going... And they're hearing that something's happening. They begin to doubt it. They begin to say, these men are drunk. Peter, the one who had denied he even knew who Jesus was, had been reinstated and commissioned to feed a sheep. Peter stepped forward with, with the eleven. 
and said, you men of Galilee, these men are not drunk as you suppose. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will dream. Your young men will dream dreams. Your old men will see visions. He said, this is the power. This is the anointing. This is the peace. And Peter steps out into a sermon. A sermon that would change the course of faith in the world. A sermon at the end of which 3,000 people would get saved. But it was a sermon that pointed to the gospel. It pointed, the gospel is not anything any more than Jesus Christ was dead and now he's alive. That is the gospel. Peter Pointed to this. I want you to open your Bibles with me. Acts chapter 2. This is in the middle of that sermon. And we'll begin reading in verse number 29. Acts chapter 2, verse number 29. Tonight I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself. For he died and, had, and was buried in his tomb and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet. And he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead. Or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead. And we all, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven. At God's right hand and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us just as you see and hear today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you right now. And Lord, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your goodness. And I thank you for your peace. Lord, I ask that you would send an anointing on me. Lord, Anoint me to share your word so that every ear in this building can walk out of here understanding who you are and where you are. Every person that watches the video on Facebook can understand who you are and where you are. Lord, I give you glory and I give you honor. I give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As Peter has began to preach a message of life, a message of hope, a message of testimony, he understands that while he stands to bring good news and many will find new life at his words, he understands that he is also inciting a riot. He's inciting a revolution. But the revolution is not based on what Peter thinks. The revolution is not based on Peter's political views. But rather, this revolution that Peter is inciting on this day is a revolution based on God's plan. He's talked... He's prophesied. He's quoted Job, I mean, Joel. Now he quotes the Psalms. Verse 25, he says, King David said this about him. I see the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for, for he is right beside me. 
No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praise. My body rests in hope. I'm going to say that again. My body rests in hope. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow my your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. He quotes that from the Psalms. Then, he says, think about this. Quit looking at things at face value. Start allowing God to take you deeper. Start allowing God to open your heart. You know what he means when he says, think about this? Mm, There's an anointing in there. What he means when he says, think about this, is quit going through the motion. Quit trusting your religion. Quit trusting your actions. Quit trusting your good deeds. And think about who God is. David is dead. David is dead. You talk about a hurtful phrase. David was the great king. David was the great warrior. Nobody had ever ascended to the power and the authority of King David throughout all the history of Israel. He was a man after God's own heart. He was highly revered. But yet, Peter brought to their memory and their understanding that every one of them had probably been to his tomb. It was a monument to a great man. In East Texas, in a cemetery called Liberty, I can take you to a tombstone where my grandfather and my grandmother lay. The tombstone records the dates of their life. Underneath the ground in front of that monument are the now decaying bones of my grandparents. Their bodies are dead And their bodies have rotted. But yet David says, Surely you won't leave me. For for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. And Peter gets up and says, Think about this. David's dead. His tomb is still with us. He was not talking about himself. He was not talking about him. Religion, history, tradition, says David wrote it. David, 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 David. But Peter said, wait a minute, think this through. David was not talking about himself, but rather David was prophesying. Can I tell you something? You don't see prophecy going through the motion. You don't see prophecy singing a song, listening to three points in a poem and going home. You don't see prophecy being religious. But when the Spirit begins to direct, then you begin to see the prophet's words come alive. He said, David wasn't talking about himself. He was prophesying. He said, it's about the Messiah. It's about the Son of God. It's about Jesus Christ. He's very careful here. He says, 
but he was a prophet. He knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future, speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He has not put a name to it yet. The religious people can shout that the Messiah is going to be resurrected as long as they don't have to say who it is. The religious people can say God's going to do something special as long as they don't have to take part in it. The religious people can clap their hands and go, yes, God is good, as long as they don't have to change their life to live it. But David, I mean, Peter says, David was talking about the Messiah. And then he says this. He reiterates what David's already said in the psalm. He said he was saying God would not leave him among the dead. Now the title of my sermon tonight is That's My Tomb. The truth of the matter, my tomb is an empty tomb. My tomb is an empty tomb because God told David long before Jesus was ever born that I will not leave you among the dead. You want to know what's wrong with our church? God ain't going to leave his son nor his spirit among the dead. If we're going to walk in the house and be religious and dead and go through the motion, he ain't going to stay here. He don't need to stay here. He don't want to stay here. Pastor, why are you getting mean at us? We're the Sunday night Easter crowd. Let me tell you something, church. It's high time. It's high time that we start understanding God is not going to leave him among the dead. He didn't, he was not, he did not live. He did not do miracles. He was not crucified, buried, and put in a tomb and rose again to come back and hang out with a bunch of dead people. God had promised David when the Messiah comes your descendant I will not leave him among the dead what happens among the dead stench happens among the dead what happens in a dead church stinking thinking All of a sudden, everything we set out to do starts smelling. It smells of pride. It smells of selfishness. It smells of ego. I'm not going to leave you among the dead. Or, Peter goes on and says, or will he allow his body to rot in a grave? We don't have a rotten. We have a living God. We don't have a God where we can go and see his remains, but rather we have a God where we can go and realize that he's still alive and well and living in our heart. He said, I will not allow you to rot in the grave. You know what a grave is? A grave is a hole that doesn't go anywhere. Oh, pastor, it was a tomb. You know what a tomb is? A cave with no exit. It's a hole in a rock. I'm not, God says, I didn't bring my Messiah, my son, the Savior of the world, so that there can be a monument of the place where his body lays. Bones rot. Worms devour the flesh. Bones rot and fade away. Bones of Muhammad are rotten. The grave of any great leader 
that you can think of from the past, it's full of rotted rotted flesh and decaying grave of my Savior is an empty and that's my tomb my tomb is an empty tomb the tomb that I care about isn't it I don't care I don't care about decaying tradition I don't care about rotting histories. I care about a living. You know what it means to live? Come here. Always get you this, Tyler. Nathan. I never get them straight. Nathan's been around church here for about three years. And, and when Nathan came here, my mom said something. She said, they come in and out. She said, man, she said, I looked up there and I saw Crystal's boy. She goes, when you're not there all the time, you realize, man, they're growing. They're, 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 they're growing up. Mama knows that she's having to buy shoes. If Nathan, I always get the two of them confused. I'm always just guessing. If Nathan looked the same way he did three years ago, he'd be up here in prayer lines. We'd be taking him to the hospital. The doctor would want God to heal. You hear this? If he looked just like he did three years ago, how old are you? Eleven. If he looked just like he did when he was eleven months old, probably would be quieter. Yeah. But we would be having all night prayer visuals for him. Praying for him because something's wrong. You know what the doctors would be telling Crystal? He's not really living. His life isn't happening. They use the term, he has no quality of life. He hasn't changed. He hasn't grown, he said. And we can all get that picture in our head that if Nathan hadn't changed, something's going to wrong. Then why in God's glorious heaven. We walk into church and go, something's wrong with our church, it changed. Our church has to be alive. If it doesn't change, it's dead. God Almighty. Now I want you to understand, I'm not talking about worshiping sitting down. Because there is hallelujah, holy, holy, God Almighty, the great I am. I'm sitting down. There's life. I'm talking about hallelujah. I'm talking about going through the motions. Riding in the pew. God said, I will not leave you among the dead, nor will I let your body rot in the grave. If I could reword that a second, I'd say, nor will I let your body rot in a pew. God didn't come into the house. God wasn't brought to our church so that he could rot in our pews. He was brought to our church to give us life in the streets. But we want to hold him in a tomb. We want to hold him where we know him. 
Peter doesn't stop. He goes on. Verse 32, he says, God raised Jesus from the dead. And we are all witnesses to this. This is when Peter became revolutionary. Until here, he's talked about prophets. Until here, he's talked about kings. Until here, until here, he has talked about the obligatory, vague, easy to talk about Messiah. But then he says, God raised Jesus. He's no longer talking about a name that's out there that we don't know who it is. He's not talking about somebody out there that they've been, they were just like we were. The Messiah's coming. He's going to come and fix it all. Just like we say Jesus is coming back. They said the Messiah was coming. The very ones who cried crucify that night had been in a Passover feast where they had celebrated that the Messiah was going to come. How many of you remember the Seder a few, few years ago that we did? He brought in the matzah bread. Striped and pierced. He put the, 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 the stuff inside of it. The beets. And he squeezed it together. And the red pushed through the piercings on that striped matzah bread. And Jesus said to his disciples, Take eat. This is my body. For 2,000 years, they had been partaking of that Passover saying, this represents the Messiah. And 50 days before this sermon was preached, Jesus was striped and pierced and bled for them. We can walk in the church and we can make our relationship with God something that's out there and something that's unreal and untouchable and, and, and unrelatable to life. Or we can stand up and say, God raised Jesus. A person, a real life person, a breathing, walking person. He raised him from the dead. And then Peter threw in, and I know it because I've seen it. All of us that are up here, remember he was standing with the eleven. He said, we have all looked at him. We've seen him. We've touched him. That would have been the place I can almost imagine. As Peter. Is preaching, he said, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. I can almost imagine as Peter looks over to Thomas. Like, isn't he? He's alive, ain't he? And Thomas goes, Oh yeah. These hands have touched the nail prints. These hands have felt the scar in his side. Oh, I know it's real. See, when we begin to understand that the story of the resurrection, the glorious power of my tomb, which is an empty tomb, is not a fable, it's not a story, it's not something we look back to, but it is an actual occurrence, it is a real event, there is an empty tomb, there is a place where Jesus' dead body was, but he got up alive and walked out, we begin to understand that the Messiah is no longer just a vague name, but now he has a name and he has a face, and that name is Jesus Christ. God raised Jesus from the dead. We were all witnesses of this. In this passage. Now, he is exalted to the place of highest honor. At God's right hand and the Father. Every religious person there understood who the Father was. They didn't deny serving the Father. 
Can I tell you, we're in a day and age right now where we can pray to God. We just can't pray in Jesus' name. Come on. There are many places right now that if I were to go pray publicly, they would say, say a prayer, but please don't use the name Jesus. That's offensive. They just better be ready to get offended. I'll tell him, you've obviously never heard me preach before because I'm just offensive. I like, I offend my friends. What do you think I'm going to do to my enemy? But the Father, as he had promised, gave him, Jesus, the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see today. There's a great message in the fact that my tomb is empty. But the victory comes when we understand that the Father has He promised. When Jesus got to heaven, He said, Hey, Father, I told them that I had to go away so that another comforter would come. You led them. I delivered them. Now let's send the Spirit to God. You directed them with your law. I freed them with my blood. Now let's send the Spirit to draw them with His mercy and power. You formed them with your hand. With the Word, which is Christ. They were created. Now let's send the Spirit to empower them to witness. You, Father, were one on a mountain that nobody could see and nobody could touch. I was one in the streets that a woman with an issue of blood could find her healing at the hem of my garment. But now let's send our spirit to live in their heart and cause them to come. You were too big to be entombed. A tomb made of man couldn't hold me. But now let's send the Holy Spirit to be entombed in their heart. To take up residence and rest and power inside the life that they live for us. God raised Jesus from the dead and gave Him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. And I read that. I get a whole new picture. I get a whole new picture. All of a sudden now, I see the 120 in the upper room, and they're praying, they're saying, Jesus, you told us to stay, and we don't know what we're waiting for, but we're going to wait. And all of a sudden, I see God the Father walk over to Jesus and say, listen, go ahead and pour out. And the Holy Spirit says, oh, let me go, let me go, let me go. Then I see Jesus. The sound of a mighty rushing wind was in began to throw the Spirit. One of our images of the Spirit before this, it was the dove descending at Jesus' Baptism. The Spirit lights out of heaven in a skydive to an upper room. Flying so fast, the wind precedes him and fire comes behind him. And he swoops into that room being poured out like a fire. 
Peter says. Jesus was raised from the dead. We're witnesses of that. But now you are witnesses that the Spirit is before you. Ain't enough people shouting to understand that yet. God raised Jesus from the dead. We've seen him. We looked at him. We talked to him. We touched him. But now you have seen and you have heard. You heard us speaking in tongues. You heard us telling the story in your own languages. You heard great power. You heard the rushing wind. I believe they saw the flames of fire. That is the Holy Ghost. My tomb is an empty tomb that Christ once lived in. But my heart is a full heart because the Holy Ghost has invaded. The Holy Ghost has overpowered. Shortly after Peter said these, They rose up and said, what must we do to be saved? He says, believe. And 3,000 were saved. In just a couple chapters, there's another message in 5,000. And 120 believers turn into a church that has changed the history of the world. All because of an empty All because God promised, I won't let my, I won't let the Messiah tarry among the dead. I won't let his bones rot in But instead I'm going to life by the church. We've got a choice to make. Are we going to live life going through the motions? Being religious. Are we going to live life being spiritual? Are we going to live life talking about how good we are because we went to church on Sunday night Easter? Or are we going to live life walking in the fire of the same power that raised us up out of the tomb of Christ is empty. My tomb, tomb of my sin is empty. And if I die before Jesus comes back again, my grave will be empty one day because I will. news for you church this stuff is real this is not stuff we talk about not stuff that we just go through the motion but I'm talking about a power that says the spirit is empty we hear a message like this start thinking about where we're at. Am I allowing God to direct my steps? Or am I one of the crowd members going, well, I know the Messiah's coming, but I don't know if that's him. We allowing God to set a fire in our life? Trying to figure out why God made Dead churches happen when you have dead lives. And Sister Ann was talking about no doubt our attendance probably the smallest Easter we've had since I've been here. I said, you know what I can say? We may not have as many people, 
we've had in the We've still been having. There's still a power. Oh, I get annoyed at you once in a while when I look out there and see you. We still struggle with this and that and the other. God hasn't left us. The only thing God has left is a tomb. We've seen evidence that he's And we've seen and heard the power of his Holy Spirit. So now we just got to decide to believe. We just got to decide to walk. So I don't want to invite you. Close this service with in the I don't even know if I'm gonna come pray for you. We'll see how God directs. I, I want to just go pray. I want you to join me. Oh, Pastor, I don't go to the altar. Well, maybe that's part of your problem. I know some of you may not be able to kneel down at an altar. Come sit on the front row. You can come stand. You can make an effort. God can make an effort to get up and walk out of a grave. You can make an effort to get up and walk out of a grave. In the saying, God, let me come. Let me be a witness of your life, power. That's why the Holy Ghost poured out. It wasn't so we could shout. It wasn't so we could run the aisles. It wasn't so we could fall down in the floor. It was so that we could be witnesses of Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In Chillicothe, Livingston County, Missouri, America, and to the ends of the earth. That's why the Spirit came. Let's come. Let my life let my
Let us walk in the anointing. Your mercy. 